Bienvenidos a la Iglesia de Cristo en el nombre de Jehová, nuestro Salvador. Un placer estar juntos con ustedes esta mañana. Espero que cada uno recibirán con gozo la misericordia del Señor. Es un regalo de Dios esta mañana para ustedes. No, you're not in the wrong place. My name is Aaron Gortmaker, and this is my wife, Cassie. We're missionaries uh, to Costa Rica, and uh, we're here with our five kids. Um, they're in the back with my parents, Jerry and Ina Gortmaker. And this morning, I just wanted to welcome you to Christ Church and uh, let you know that we're here to visit over the next couple of months. We'll be leaving late October to go back to Costa Rica. We've uh, just finished up our first term two and a half years in uh, Guanacaste, the northwest region of Costa Rica. We're working at a, a camp. And we are ministering to 200 churches across Costa Rica and giving them opportunities for discipleship uh, at this camp. So it's a pleasure, pleasure to be here with you this morning. Um, I'd like to just let you know that um, we will be popping in and out of, of Christ Church. We have several churches that we'll be visiting over the next couple of months. And this week in particular, we're going to be speaking at a camp um, to 50 or so students uh, that are at risk. Uh, from the Algonac area, if you guys would pray and join us in prayer um, as we, we talk with them, we'll be speaking six times to them in four days. So please join us in prayer for that, and uh, good morning. Welcome. Good morning. My name is Dick Friedrich. Our call to worship this morning comes from Psalm 63, the first four verses. I'll uh, read from our worship folder. O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. Please join me in singing now from Trinity Hymnal 580, Lead On, O King Eternal. And then we'll go right from that <clears throat> to his banner over me as love, which you find in your worship folder. Please stand. 
There's one way to peace through the power of the cross. His banner over me is love. There's one way to peace through the power of his cross. The banner over me is love. There's one way to peace through the power of the cross. His banner over me is love. His banner over me is love. Lord God, we pray that your banner would indeed be evident in our lives. Sometimes we forget that we need to experience your banner ourselves before we can fly it for others. We can be quick to raise our own banner, assert our own identity, <clears throat> while forgetting our true identity is in you. We want to be authentic, but we're afraid to lose our identity in you. Be with us this morning. Continue to visit us. Work in our hearts and minds so that your banner becomes increasingly clear to us. We want our authenticity, our identity, our purpose to be found more in your love. We are reminded that this is not a cheap or easy love but it's the love that I need personally and the love that we all want for ourselves and others, the better to know you. Through Jesus we ask it. Amen. Please be seated. As we move to confession, now I'll read from Psalm 141. O Lord, I call upon you, hasten to me. Give ear to my voice when I call to you. Let my prayer be counted as incense before you and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Now if you'll pray with me, of this prayer of confession found in your worship folder. O living God, we thank you that we to sorrow for those sins that carry us away from you. It is a deep and dear mercy that you help us return, pray, and live again. Our sin is to look on our faults and be discouraged. Our sin is to look on the good things in our hearts and to forget how much we need you. Our sin is to fear whatever it may be, but to forget, submit to your will, to forget, to quiet ourselves beneath your wisdom. Our sin is to think that we are alone in the wilderness when we have in you bread from heaven streams from the rock, light by day, fire at night, access to your love. Grant now that we may never trust our own hearts, depend on past experience, or rest in the strength of our own resolutions, 
but make us strong in the grace of Jesus. May we always combine your majesty and your mercy and connect your goodness with your greatness. Then shall our hearts always rejoice in praise. Amen. We express our confession together like this, and our forgiveness has come at a great cost to Christ. Through your spirit, help us make the changes that we truly need to make that reflect your calling in our lives. In Christ's name, again, we say amen. Christ's name we pray, amen. It's a great mercy of the Lord that he forgives us, but he also reassures us, and we have these words from Romans 8. Um, they're in other places too, but we read from Romans 8 this morning <clears throat> for this reassurance. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Jesus Christ is the one who died more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Amen. Uh, children may be dismissed now to go with their leaders, and um, we'll move to singing Be Thou My Vision, which is found in the Trinity hymnal again, 642.
Amen. Please, friends, be seated. If you're new to Christ Church visiting with us today, I am too. I'm uh, not visiting, but I'm new to Christ Church. We are enjoying a series this summer through the book of Exodus. And we have uh, been uh, identifying those places uh, where we belong because of the gospel that God encourages us to believe and gives us the ability to believe by the work of His Spirit. Throughout our study, uh, we have enjoyed moments of testimonies from time to time from individuals uh, uh, about the text that we're studying. Today, we have three individuals that are going to come and give us a brief testimony about fighting different battles in their life and how the Lord has encouraged them in their fight, given them strength to prevail and to persevere, given them others to surround them in prayer support. So let me invite those three ladies to come. And then we're having uh, Nina and Alice and Miriam coming to give us these wonderful testimonies about the text that we're about to study.
As many of you know, I have been fighting cancer since March of this year. And the passage that we're going to read today feels like a picture of what my life has been like since then. Just like God kept giving the Israelites lots of trials so that they would learn to walk by faith, God has given a lot of trials to Bob and me, and he's given a lot of trials to you too. I know that. This story, one of the reasons the story is so powerful is because the Israelites had to work together. They had different tasks in order to win the battle. Moses, he had to tell people what to do. Joshua and a lot of the Israelites, they had to engage the battle. Moses then had to go up on the mountain, and he had to be weak, and he had to be dependent. And Aaron and her had to hold up his hand. And that is what many, many of you have done for me and for Bob, especially since March. How have you done that? You've prayed for us. You've shared scripture with us. You've washed my dishes. You have washed my bathtub. You've washed my windows. You've sent cards. You've made cards. You've told me my hat looks cute. You have taken care of Nevaeh when Bob and I couldn't do that. All different tasks, all very important. And you know what? I feel a part of God's family. I am blessed, and God has been and is using you. Good morning, Christ Church. If we can all agree on the premise that God is good and that all that he does is goodness, then we can claim the verse in Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Our cancer stories, while unique to each of us, are part of God's good plan for us. He has promised, he has promised to use all things to work together for good to those who love him, that we would be conformed to the image of Jesus. Alice, Miriam and I recognize that the Church of Christ has come alongside us to help us so that as we grew weary, just as Moses did, his people were with us in tangible ways and in prayer. We also recognize that as we have been comforted in our afflictions by God and his people, we have been called and enabled to comfort others in their sufferings and afflictions. So we marvel at God's good plan. And with hope, we affirm Philippians 3.10, that I may know him, the power of his resurrection, that I may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death.
Nina and I were diagnosed with cancer on April 27th last year. She with bladder cancer, I have breast cancer. We had already prayed often in our walk together. There were other struggles that have come before for Miriam too. Her battle with cancer would begin this year. Yet Ephesians 6 verse 12 reminds us that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. My own initial battle was not cancer itself, but fear, sadness, uncertainty of what would happen, loss of control over my body, my future, my finances, my hopes, my own mortality. And these are battles that we all face at one time or another, aren't they? If not now, then sometime soon. One of my favorite quotes is, be kind. Everyone is fighting a hard battle. Cancer happens to be a visible one, but we are all fighting something. So I want to thank this congregation for the ways you sustained me in my battle last year. You bolstered me in so many ways, meals, cards, flowers, visits, hats, <laughs> but most of all, prayer. It gave me incredible encouragement and strength to know that I was not alone. You reminded me that I was more than a conqueror in Christ, no matter what the outcome. I now volunteer at the Lemon Holton Cancer Center and at the Oncology Ward every week. And I am privileged to pass on that same encouragement to other people who are in the middle of their battles. Sometimes I tell people that I will pray for them. Sometimes I can bend close and remind them that God is holding them fast. Those that know Christ are greatly encouraged by this truth because they know that they are more than conquerors, no matter what the outcome. He has already won the battle. Thank you, ladies. What a wonderful testimony of how God is manifesting his grace in lives of his children as we uh, seek to prevail in the battle, the spiritual and physical battle that is ours. Uh, and I invite you to turn with me this morning to Exodus chapter 17. We're going to continue in our study this morning. We're going to finish chapter 17. Exodus chapter 17, we'll be looking at verses 8 through 16. And if you are able, I invite you to stand out of love and affection for God's holy, infallible, and inerrant word as we give our full attention to the reading and the preaching of it. Hear now the word of God. Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, Choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. And whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. 
Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this down as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the, name of, uh, called the name of it, The Lord is my banner, saying, A hand upon the throne of the Lord. The Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks and praise that your word is open before us. The way that you speak to us today through the power of your Holy Spirit, you have called on the authors of your Holy Scripture to write it down that we might have a testimony. And we have it today in our laps. So we pray that you would open our eyes to behold wonderful things from this portion of your holy law. Remind us that you are with us always. The battle is won because Christ is victorious. We pray it in his name and for his sake. Amen. Please, friends, be seated. Well, since I'm relatively new to you, you're still getting to know me and I'm still getting to know you. One thing that you may not know about me is that I love roller coasters. Uh, as a small child, we would go to Six Flags over Texas, which is not, was not far from my home then. Uh, and then a couple of times every summer for year after year after year. And it seems like every so many years they would build a new roller coaster to top the other one that they had built just a few years before. And I love to stand in line. I love to ride those things up and down and hoops and loops and all of those different things. It just brought me great joy. I remember, though, seeing other people do this, and so I tried to do it myself a couple of times. I, in God's good providence, he let me get in the very front of the car one particular day. And so I, they put that bar down across your lap, you know, and the seat belt, whatever it is that holds you into place. And out of the hut you go, and then you start up this huge hill. And what do you do? You lift your hands up like this, right? Lift your hands up as you're going tick 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 all the way up the hill. And I got to the very top, and in the front seat, in the front row, the front car, I looked down, and it, I don't even see the track anymore. It's like an utter a drop off of the face of the earth. So what do I do? I grab hold of that bar as hard as I can, and down we go. And I never lifted my hands again. And it seemed like everybody else was doing the same thing. As I watched the rest of the day, they'd have their hands up till they got to the very top, and then they would reach down and grab. I thought I had to do all that I could do to hold myself in the car. I wasn't trusting that bar across my lap. I wasn't trusting the seatbelt across my lap. I thought if I was not going to get flung out of this particular car, I had to grab hold of that bar across me and hold on for dear life. I think that's a picture of our life, friends. It certainly is a picture of what we find here in the end of Exodus chapter 17. Moses lifting his hands until he grows weary. And then others coming alongside, aiding him in lifting his hands. You'll remember at the beginning of our chapter, and at the, the chapter preceding last week, Pastor Addison walked us through chapter 16 and the beginning of chapter 17, reminding us of God's presence with us, reminding of, us of God's promises, his provision that he would care for us. All of the peas that Pastor Addison gave us in the promises and the presence of God himself, that he would never leave us and he would provide. Moses struck the rock and water came out of the rock. Today, we end chapter 17 and God's power is revealed. His presence with us, yes, 
his promises to us and the way he provides for us. But today we have this beautiful picture of God's power alive and well at work in us, through us, and for us. We've been having this battle that's been going on this last chapter, this inside battle and this now this outside battle. Isn't it interesting, though, that we begin with this inside uh, battle that takes place at the beginning of chapter 17, where God's people begin to grumble and complain. They've come out of Egypt, they're out in the wilderness now, and they're, they're reminiscing about Egypt and how wonderful it was, and why did you bring us out here uh, to die out here in this desert without food and without water? There is a struggle that's going on, there is a battle that's taking place, and it is a battle that is inward. They are doubting in the promises of God. They are doubting that God will provide for them, that God is even present for them. And so they begin to grumble and complain, this inward battle that's at work. Now in chapter 17, we end, now there is an outward battle about to take place. After this inward complaining and grumbling, now all of a sudden the Amalek and the Amalekites are coming to to take care of, uh, of Israel, to fight Israel in an outward battle. But God gives them the promise of prevailing. God gives them the promise of prevailing in their inward battles and also in their outward battles. The enemy, as the enemy attacks, God promises that he is with us. He provides for us that we are his. He's present and his power is revealed and we prevail because of his strength. Our text opens this morning with different people. Amalek is an individual in Scripture, but also his descendants are the Amalekites. It's interesting to know that Amalek is the grandson of Esau. And Amalekites fight against Israel more than once, as we're going to read as we continue to move through this particular book. We don't know much about them except for this. We read about them again at the end of, towards the end of the book of Deuteronomy where Moses, as they're about to move towards the peak and look at the promised land that he doesn't get to enter, and the children of God, uh, uh, the Israelites, get to see as well and then enter by the work of Joshua, that the Amalekites in chapter 25 of Deuteronomy, Moses says, don't forget those individuals. Don't forget those ones who attacked you. And there in chapter 25, verses 16 and 17, he gives us a picture of how it is that they attacked. This is a, this is a group of individuals that would watch other, other uh, countries as they would come through and attack the, the rear of the line, attack those that were the, the weakest, those that were weary. That's what Moses says in, in Deuteronomy chapter 25. And they would take the plunder of those individuals, and that's what they lived off of. And they did it over and over again. Nice folks, right? Uh, They attack at the very weakest part, the very back of the line, the women, the children, the weak, those that could hardly keep up as they move through. So here we have this picture now. That Israel is on the way. They've come out of Egypt, this beautiful picture of redemption, how God had brought them out of bondage. They're making their way to the promised land, and the Amalekites are on a hill, so to speak, looking down, and they attack at the end of the line, the weakest individuals. Another person that we find is Joshua. No introduction to Joshua. Isn't that interesting as well? Joshua must have been a well-known individual. Certainly going to read about him in his own book, the book of Joshua, after the Pentateuch, after the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. But we read Joshua now is just told by Moses to go and choose men. 
for battle. Now get this, friends. Don't miss this point that God is giving us. They had been in bondage now for over 400 years. They had never fought, the Israelites had never fought a battle at all. They weren't soldiers. They had no understanding or knowledge of warfare. They had been in Egypt making bricks. That's what they had been doing. And now Moses says to, to Joshua, you've got one day, you've got one day to go and choose all of these individuals that are going to fight this battle against the Amalekites. It's a beautiful picture of how the Lord prevails, how the Lord's power, God's power at work. They had no understanding, no knowledge, no knowledge at all of what warfare was all about. And yet Moses tells Joshua, go and pick people to fight this battle. But if you look down in verse 14, we get a picture of the battle. The battle is already won. Write this in a memorial, he said. Recite in the years of Joshua. I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Even before the battle has already been fought, before it had already begun, we already have a picture of the end result, that God would wipe out the Amalekites from the face of the earth. Friends, this is good news for people like you and me. In the battles that we fight in our life, God promises us that we will prevail. The battle has already been won. Christ has already died and been raised again to new life. The outcome is already certain as he fights for us, his power. But notice also the place. It's not just these individuals, but choose for men, uh, choose men to go out and fight Amalek. Tomorrow I'm going to stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did exactly what Moses had told him. They're still in Rephidim. Remember that from last week? Rephidim, as we read in chapter 17, verse 1, it's the place that they've come to. Moses changed the name of those, uh, that city in verse 7. Uh, Massa and Meribah. This is Coralville and Testingburg, as we might say. God's people had come to this place. They began to quarrel. They began to complain. They're still in this particular city. And now the place is, the attention of the verse, uh, the passage before us, is not on the battlefield below as the Israelites are fighting. The attention is not on the type of men that Joshua selected to go fight the battle. The attention is not on any kind of warfare and schemes that they had done to overcome the enemy. The attention is at the place at the top of the hill with the staff, with God's staff, because God is showing us through his word that the battle is his, that his power is the power to, to prevail over our enemies. It's not our ability to fight the war the way we come up with, with our schemes and so forth, but the attention is on the top of the hill, and there Moses is standing with the staff, the rod of God, the same staff, remember, that we've been reading. He threw it down in, in Pharaoh's presence and it became a, a serpent. He picked it back up and it came the stick again. He touched the Nile River and it turned to blood. He touched the Nile River and it went back to water. He smashed the rock. And water came flowing from the rock. Here is the staff, the rod that Moses is now holding. It is a symbol, a picture of the presence of God with his people. So here's the first thing that we need to understand in this passage then. There is a battle 
a battle that is being fought, and we are called to fight that battle. This isn't just let go and let God theology, friends. There is a battle here. We are saved by grace, and now we live by grace. There is a battle to be fought, and God works through individuals like you and me, reminding us that his power is at work, and he will prevail. The outcome is already certain. So we are called to fight this battle. We're called to fight with the understanding of knowing that we will prevail. But friends, we don't fight alone. Look at Moses and what he does. As he's sitting, uh, standing on the, on the mountain there on top of the hill and he's holding the, the, the rod of God, the staff of God over his head, he becomes weary. Now some commentators give a lot of attention to the fact that Moses must have been on top of this hill doing a lot of praying because of different passages throughout Scripture that talk about lifting holy hands in prayer, and as he's lifting his hands, he's praying, and so the power to prevail over the enemies of life is found in the power of prayer, that we must continue to be, be uh, uh, eternal in, in, in lifting our requests to God. Now, certainly that is true, but nowhere in Scripture, uh, in the Old Testament, save maybe one place, do we ever find anybody that's sitting down to pray, and Moses is sitting down on this particular rock. Here's what I think, what, the, the attention that, that, we're, that we're drawn to, and that is this. Throughout all of this stuff, uh, all of the book of Exodus, we have seen Moses do these wonderful works, powerful works, how he could call down all of these plagues and so forth as God worked through him. And sometimes in our minds, I don't know about you, but it is for me, I, we we elevate individuals, characters in, our, in the scripture to a place uh, that, uh, oh, if I, just, if I could just be like Moses, if I could be like Moses, then I, then I could do all of these wonderful things as well. Well, you are like Moses, friends, because this particular passage shows us that Moses himself was very weak and weary. He's holding his arms up and his arms get tired. He it's like he grabs that, that bar across his lap as he starts down the hill of the roller coaster. He's getting weary. He needs a mediator as well as we need a mediator. And that's what we read about Moses in the book of Hebrews. There is a greater mediator than Moses himself, and that mediator is Christ. Jesus, the one who is now seated at the right hand of God the Father, who knew lives, loves to intercede, to pray for us as his people. Moses grew weary. And every time he brought his arms down because of that weariness, the Amalekites started to win. But friends, notice in the text as well that Aaron is standing on one side and her, H-U-R, her is standing on the other side. We know about Aaron, right? He's the older brother of Moses. We don't know much about her. We do have this from Josephus, a first century historian, tells us that her married Miriam which then would be Moses' brother-in-law because Miriam was his sister. Scriptures don't tell us that, so we're not sure that that is true. But this we do know, that Moses sat down on that rock and one person on one side, another person on the other side, held his arms up so that he would continue to hold that, uh, that staff, that rod, the presence of God up, and that the children of God, the Israelites, would prevail. Friends, here's the point. You are not in this life alone. Whatever battle you are fighting right now, be it spiritual, be it physical, 
you are not alone. God promises to work through individuals to bring, uh, to bring comfort and to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. You have brothers and sisters in Christ. As sons and daughters of the living God, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And we are never alone, not only the presence of God by the power of His Spirit who reigns and dwells within us, but we have each other. We have each other like Aaron and her to lift our arms, to lift our hands as we fight this battle with the promise that we will prevail only because of the power at work within us, the power of God by the presence and power of His Holy Spirit. Are you letting others do that? Are you doing that for others? Sometimes we fight this battle and we, we, we don't even want to communicate. We don't even want to share with one another the, the battle that we're fighting. Allow others into your life, loved ones. And then you get involved in their life as they allow you into their life to encourage one another, to build one another up with this glorious gospel that is ours in Christ alone. I've told you about this house that I'm rehabbing, 88-year-old house. I'm done with it now. Thank the Lord. That was a trip. But I, I, I did a lot of the electrical stuff myself and changing out fixtures and so forth. And I, uh, Jennifer bought, she, she bought the biggest one she could find, this new dining room light. And it came in this box like this. And I'm standing on the ladder and I'm trying to hold this thing up and I'm trying to take all of these wires and the plaster's falling down and the conduit around the wire because it's 88 years old, it's falling down. And I'm having to wrap black tape around the wires because they're bare wires showing while I'm holding up this fixture. And I, every once in a while, it's just like, oh my gosh, I'd hold it up this way and then I'd hold it up that way. My arms got tired. I had to put my arms down until Jennifer finally stepped up on the other side of the ladder. She said, here, let me hold the light. She held the light, and then I connected the wires. Boom, we were done. Friends, that's a picture of our life. You have others. You have others to help you through this battle that you are fighting. The, God, the, Lord, the Lord gives us this beautiful picture of prevailing with one another, our brothers and sisters, our family. The battle is over, verse 14. The outcome has already been determined. Then the Lord said to Joshua, write, or the Lord said to Moses, write this down as a memorial. It's the first time in Scripture where we read, God says, write this down. We read it in other places throughout the rest of Scripture, all the way to the book of Revelation where he tells John, write this down. The first place in Scripture where we find that the Lord tells somebody to write this down. And friends, here's why. So that you now with that scripture in your lap, the scripture in your lap, can give your full attention to the promises that God gives to you and to me. He gives us a beautiful picture of who he is, his power, his promise that he gives to us, and he gives us a beautiful picture of who we are, our need through this scripture. He was told to write this down. We have the word of God now that we might cling to, that we might run to, that we might embrace as we're fighting this battle with the promise that we will prevail. And that leads to our worship. Isn't that what Moses does there? Verse 15, then Moses built an altar and he called the name of it, the Lord is my banner. 
he built an altar in worship. The first place in the book of Exodus where we read an altar is built, not the first place in Scripture. We read that throughout the book of Genesis. But the first time in the book of Exodus, in this journey that we've been uh, looking at through the, the course of the summer, the first time where an altar is built and the children of Israel worship. That's what they were, let my people go, that they may come out and they might worship me. And he calls the place, the Lord is my banner. Yahweh Nisi. A beautiful picture there, a banner now for soldiers. Be a big stick that they held up with a flag on it, the flag identifying the individuals. It would be a rally point for, uh, for those children of Israel to see as, as, as Moses held up that, that rod, something for them to visualize. And they would rally around that particular place, that banner. This is a further description of, remember back in chapter 3, where, where Moses, or God called Moses out of the burning bush. And he said, who should I say has sent me? And you, he said, uh, the Lord said, the great I am, the I am sent you. Here is a, a fuller picture of Yahweh, I am. The Lord is my banner. He is the, the one who flies over me. He is, the, he is the place to which I rally. I run around. I find encouragement. I find support. I find hope. I find the promises that God gives to me. We think to ourselves, wouldn't it be great if I just had that stick, if I had that banner today? But friends, we don't need a stick. We don't need a stick. For those of us today, that rally point, that banner is there. It's the cross, the cross of Christ. That Christ himself has prevailed for us. The battle is done. The battle is won. And that's the place to which we rally today. There's the place where we find our hope and our strength. There's the place as brothers and sisters in Christ, we're directing your attention in the heat of that battle that there are promises in Christ and those promises are yes and amen. And we can cling to this very one who gives us that promise. What a great God. What a great promise that he gives to us in the prevailing over our enemies in life. On one side of this house that I bought, there was all this English ivy that was growing up the side of it. And years ago, I think, or I don't know how long ago, somebody, somebody cut it all down or tried to cut it all down because there were lots of brown leaves up on the top of the side of the house. And then as the house sat vacant before we bought it, some of the green leaves started back up and they started splintering out all over the place, all over the side of the house. Well, I knew that that wasn't going to do well for my mortar and the brick, that I was going to have to do some tuck pointing later in life. So I went out there and I cut down those green parts and I pulled them off and that just, this whole splinter thing, it, just, it all just came off in one great big piece. It was wonderful. And I'd cut another one and it would all come down all the way up the house and then all of these brown ones that were already cut I started to pull off and they came off in a section about that big every single one of them little bitty clips and I got my ladder out and I leaned it against the house if you come to my house today you'll see about 15 feet high it's clean all the way to the ground but above that are all kinds of dead branches and I can't get to them it's a reminder of the marks in our life. These dead leaves that come off little chunks at a time. 
The marks in our life as we fight this battle, spiritual and physical. The marks that we endure, but the promise is that the battle has already been won. The Lord has prevailed. To him, he's pulling it off, and it's coming off in one great big whoop. That's the promise of Exodus chapter 17. He is our banner. We rally around him as brothers and sisters together in Christ. And we know that we will prevail because of the promise that he gives to us, the promise that is ours in Christ Jesus alone. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your gospel. We thank you for this certainty that even in the midst of our battle, whatever our battle is today that we're fighting, that we are not alone. Not only do we have you, the promise that your spirit is always with us and you'll never leave us or forsake us, but Father, we have one another. So help us to live life in the certainty of this promise, to know that you are always with us, that you are ours and we are yours, bought with a price. So Father, fill us with more of your power and your spirit that we might don the, the apparatus, we might don the spiritual warfare, the, the armor that Paul tells us about in Ephesians 6, and we might stand, stand against the evil one. Do that for us, Father, we pray, reminding us all the while that it's by your power, your might, and your strength, and not our own. And we pray it for Jesus' sake. Amen. Please, uh, please friends, uh, join me in standing, and let's uh, respond by singing the, the song that's in your bulletin, Oh Great God, the words are printed inside your bulletin.
If you're visiting with us this morning, we are delighted that you are here. If you're seated on the uh, end of the row, would you reach down and grab that red registration pad and then pass it down to everyone seated on your row. If you're visiting, this is the, uh, the way that uh, we would like for you to communicate of any need that you have that we might serve you. If you just write that down on the pad, we will respond this week. Let me make a couple of announcements. There are several, actually, as we're beginning to wind down summer. Can you believe that? Uh, thinking about the cold weather coming uh, and starting off in September of all kinds of new things. There are several different announcements. Parents, uh, Debbie needs you to register your children for uh, Children's Church and for Sunday School. You can do that online. We're encouraging you to do that online. And the Friday letter was a link. It's also in the bulletin to that link. If you would register your children for Sunday School and for uh, for Children's Church uh, online. If you'd like to do a paper one, see Lisa Vandermoss. She'll give you a hard copy if you'd prefer to do it that way. The, uh, the college meeting that was supposed to take place today is actually going to be postponed till the 25th, so that will not take place today. Um, beach night for men, uh, you'll find that in, uh, in your bulletin as well. We actually combined two different uh, announcements mistakenly this week. The, the beach night, uh, there is a sign-up that went out from Greg Mybuyer uh, online. If you didn't get that email, please see Greg today. You'll notice in the pancake uh, announcement that follows the beach night, it says the sign-up is online. That's not true. It's the sign-up online is for the beach night. So, men, if you did not get uh, a copy of that, would you please see Greg Mybuyer or call the church office this week, and we'll get you one of those. A couple of other announcements that uh, pertain to my area of ministry, and that is we're pre preparing for our Wednesday evening meal kickoff again. We're needing individuals to sign up for preparing those meals. If you would like to do that once, maybe twice in the, in the fall and once, maybe twice in the spring, would you sign up on the, at the Welcome Center? There's a clipboard there. If you would uh, like to work together with a couple of other individuals to prepare the meal for that a particular night on Wednesday, please sign up at the, at the Welcome Center. And then also this coming Saturday is a, a C group leader meeting, meeting. If you're interested in hosting a C group, leading a, a C group, like to know more information about what that would involve, would you come this Saturday morning, 9 o'clock here at the church? It's only going to be for one hour, and uh, all of your questions we'll seek to answer. One last announcement before we pray, Jerry uh, Gortmaker wants to make. Yeah, just a quick reminder, Tuesday is our senior luncheon day. We'll be meeting here at the church. 
uh, from 12 to 2. Um, there's a sign-up at the Welcome Center uh, to sign up to bring a number of things, whether buns, coleslaw, chips, or cookies. Um, we're going to be bringing the meat there also for that. But bring your lawn chairs with you as well. If it's nice outside, if it's raining, then we'll meet inside the church. So don't hesitate to sign up. It's a great time of fellowship with all of our seniors. That's 55 and older. Look forward to seeing you there. Lots of other announcements are printed in the bulletin. Let me just encourage you to take it with you and sometime this afternoon read over those announcements and attend the activities of your choice. Join me now in, uh, uh, in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that you are a, a God who delights in lavishing his children with blessing upon blessing, mercy upon mercy, grace upon grace. Thank you, Father, for the way you are manifesting that grace in the lives of individuals here at Christ Church as we battle together, as we fight together. Thank you, Lord, that you have put us in a family where we have one another, where we can pray for one another and encourage one another. Today, Father, we pray for the DeCampos family, having just left us a couple of weeks ago to make their way back to Brazil to take care of aging parents. We pray for Bianca and the loss of her mother this past week. We pray, Father, that your spirit would be a very real presence for her today, that you would prove yourself to be your very name, the great comforter, and that you would comfort her in her loss. Father, we thank you that you have... Uh, returned our young people, our youth, to us after their trip up to the UP this past week. Thank you for giving them safety in their travel. And I pray, Lord, for all of those things that you did for them by the power of your Spirit as they were enjoying time away and studying your Word. Lord, that you would continue to seal that to them as you change their hearts and their minds as you prove yourself to be their sovereign, loving God. Thank you for their return. Bless them, we pray. And Father, we would pray for our, our dear pastor as well. Thank you that you've brought him back after a couple of weeks of vacation. Pray that you would uh, return him to the pulpit here, that uh, as we sit under the preaching of your word, you would empower him to proclaim uh, that word with boldness and clarity, that we would understand your scriptures and that you would seal them to us by the work of your spirit and our lives would be transformed and changed into the image uh, of your son and our dear savior, the Lord Jesus. So thank you, Lord, that you promised to do all of these things. And thank you that you allow us not only to live in community together as brothers and sisters, but also to share our gifts together, our, our time, our talents, and our treasures. So as we give now to the work of your kingdom, we pray that you would multiply these gifts and use them for your own glory, we pray, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none. Anyone who has food should do the same. Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all, servant of all. And do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. 
But store up for yourselves Treasures in heaven For where your treasure is There your heart will be Anyone who has two shirts Should share with the one who has none Anyone who has food Should do the same Anyone who wants to be first Must be the very last comes to all of God's people. Now may the God of peace, who brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. May he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory now and forevermore. Go in peace. Amen.